Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I. <laughs> Welcome to Kitty's Birthday House. My brother's name is Ozzy and I'm Die Boy. Thank you. Welcome back to Kiwi Birth Tales. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Jordan. I'm a mum of two. I have Jai, who's three and a half, and Ali, who is almost two in about a month, which is crazy. Can't believe my baby's going to be two. I also have a business baby, Your Birth Project, which is an online hypnobirthing course designed to help you create your best birth. So if you're pregnant, Make sure you go and check that out. It's got everything you need to create your best birth, including a section for your birth partner. Um, If they're not going to watch the whole course with you, then there is a specific section for them to learn all about birth and how to support you. So make sure you go and check that out. You can find it at yourbirthproject.com or you can follow me on at KiwiBirthTales on Instagram or at yourbirthproject on Instagram to find out more. In today's episode, I am speaking with Heidi and Heidi takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories. They are totally different birth stories, but I'll let her share all of the details with you. I know that you've been waiting for an episode, so I won't take any longer. You can enjoy. Thanks again for choosing to have me in your ears. I'm super grateful every time you come back to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast, and I hope you get what you're looking for. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Hi, Heidi. Thanks so much for joining me on the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast today. Hi, Jordan. Thank you for having me. (laughs) No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you? And who is in your family? Yeah, so I'm Heidi um, and I have my partner, Ben, and our two and a half year old, Albie, and our newest arrival, Felix, who is just um, nine weeks old. Mm. And we are based in Puniki, Wellington. Um, And I'm a winemaker and my partner's a brewer and we also have a little wine label together. Amazing. That is so interesting, Heidi. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who's a winemaker before. (laughs) Um, What is your wine brand? Um, So it's called Harlight Wines. uh, We make wine in Martinborough, which is very fun. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing all about your um, pregnancy, birth and motherhood journeys today. But why don't you start us off with um, so now you've got two and a half year old Albie. So talk us through the journey to pregnancy for you and Ben. What did that look like? Yeah, so Ben and I aren't really planners. Um, <laughs> we had always discussed having kids, but it was always a in the future kind of discussion. Mm. So um, we got pregnant with Albie during lockdown. We had been kept apart for five weeks with um, wine harvest and him brewing. So when we reunited, it was a very glorious time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was very much a surprise um, with both boys, actually. But a very yeah. happy one. And, yeah, we were, we yeah. were pretty stoked. Yeah, amazing. And how, if it was a surprise, did you have like a missed period were you on contraception like what did all of that look like for you and finding out that you were pregnant 
Mm, I hadn't been on contraceptive for like five years because I just hate the hormones. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just knew it was really mm. bizarre. I think I felt what was implantation. It was like a mm-hmm. really weird sensation down in my uterus, I guess. Um, and I thought it was bizarre, but it then kind of just brushed it off. And then I was a day late on my period and I just knew <laughs> straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite regular. So it was, yeah. yeah, it's kind of amazing how your body just tells you intuitively that mm. something's different or something's changed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And were you yeah. feeling like excited when you were taking a test? Like when you got that positive um, result, how did you feel? <laughs> I was pretty terrified, to be honest. Mm. Um, there was quite a lot of um, – I had to think about it quite a lot. There was a lot of mental mm. load. Being a winemaker, it's quite a physical um, and time-demanding job. So mm-hmm. it's difficult to introduce a family into that dynamic as well. Yeah. So that was sort of my immediate thoughts was what's going to happen to my career. Um mm being career focused but Mm. I a lot of my friends and family have kids um I'm pretty familiar with that sort of concept so I was was excited I was sort of more nervous to talk to Ben about it actually (laughs) but he was he was pretty cool about it um I guess it just meant there was going to be a lot of change and we didn't really know what Mm. that change was. When you say like the mental load, I guess, that you bear when you find out that you're pregnant and how that might change things for you from a career perspective, um, do you feel like that was something that you came to terms with like through your pregnancy or yeah, how did you sort of, I guess, come around to the fact that like that would maybe change things for you and, and what did that look like for you in the early stages of pregnancy? Yeah, I think I was always realistic that I probably wouldn't be able to go back to my job. I was commuting mm-hmm. to Martinborough every day from Wellington. So yeah. that in itself was just not really feasible with a baby or not mm-hmm. fair, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I really worked through that a lot in my first trimester, which is so difficult because you're working through so much on your own in that first mm. trimester as it is. Yeah. Um, but then I sort of remained optimistic that maybe I could find a way that it could work, mm. um, potentially moving to Marnborough. You know, there were different options or opportunities. But yeah. at the end of the day when I thought about it, um, vintage is like a, it's a three month sort of period, um, from mm-hmm. like March where you pick the grapes and it's quite a demanding time. It's, you know, if you're working for a smaller place, it could be, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week for mm-hmm. that whole time, you know? So it's, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't really work with the family life. So I remained mm-hmm. optimistic. Um, and, I had definitely planned on returning after maternity leave, but when push came to the shove and I had my baby, that became my priority and I didn't Mm. really care about anything else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess what I did um, after I had Albie is I did start my own label and that was my way to get my creative outlet Mm. and my challenge and stimulation. um, Yeah 
without having to sacrifice family time. Yeah. Um, so so that was that was really great, and I was so pleased that I had done that. It was quite scary yeah. in the initial stages of figuring it out, but yeah, really wonderful. Cool. And talk us through, yeah, from a first trimester perspective, how were you feeling physically? Did you have any pregnancy symptoms um, or anything like that sort of pop up? And did you decide to go with a midwife for your care or what were your options there? Mm, so um, first trimester was pretty typical, just some nausea and tiredness. But um, all in all, I think I kind of escaped pretty light-handed. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get a midwife and I was really mm. devastated about that. So it, I was due on the 8th of January, which is a really tricky time of the year. That's mm-hmm. when everyone's having holidays. Um, so I went through the community midwives at the hospital in Lower Heart. Yeah. Um, and that actually worked out to be pretty good. Everyone was super kind. And I just went to the hospital for my antenatal appointments. I was feeling good throughout my pregnancy. Um, I just had to mostly come to terms with the fact that I didn't have a midwife or that coach or support mm. person that I could just call upon, which, yeah, yeah, it was hard, but um, so be it. It is what it is. So I'm such a shortage of midwives. So it's yeah. super common that this is what people are doing now. So I'm really grateful for those midwives at the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And with the um, community midwives, like just for someone who maybe hasn't heard of that before, do you like go to hospital and you see the same one at the hospital every time? Do you see like a different one every time? How does it work from a care perspective? So you just you just see whoever is available at the time. You book the yeah. appointments a month in advance. Um, sometimes you get the same person. Sometimes you don't, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of a nice thing because then you're really familiar with a lot of the staff. So when it comes to actually the birth and that postnatal time in hospital, you're quite comfortable with the environment and the people that are there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And from a, um, I guess, like birth plan or, or knowledge about birth perspective, did you do antenatal or anything like that through the hospital or through anywhere else? Yeah, I did some antenatal and I did the Your Birth Project. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and just listened to quite a lot of podcasts. But that's sort of all the birth education I did, which at the time seemed like it would be enough. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah. But you just you just never know with your first time exactly what to expect and how yeah. to best prepare. And so you do all you can. For sure, yeah. Awesome. And did you find out the sex of your baby in your pregnancy? Mm-hmm. We did both times around. Um, yeah. I felt that I could bond better when I knew I could visualize sort mm. of like who, what was in my tummy, you know, it's a girl, <laughs> a boy. Um, so we did find out. And they also at that anatomy scan found that I had marginal cord insertion, which for your okay. listeners who don't know what that is, it's where the umbilical cord attaches to the side of the placenta. So mm-hmm. the risk there is that there could be potential um, slow growth because they might not be getting the right amount of blood flow. Yeah. So because of that, I had to get growth scans every month. Uh, and when it came to labor, I was going to have to go on continuous monitoring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and were you like worried about finding out about that like how did you feel I guess at that stage in your pregnancy um knowing that like you'd need continuous monitoring 
when it comes to labor and also just like a small complication within your pregnancy yeah I was actually really devastated about it um Mm. I felt like maybe the way the news was delivered uh wasn't as sensitive as maybe Mm. it should have been just because it's probably something that's quite common and they deal with all the time and it actually Mm. isn't that risky um I did feel really concerned that there was something wrong with my little baby or um, maybe I'd done something or um yeah but all in all it was actually fine the growth scans were all good um and he was measuring quite big the whole way along so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was nothing to worry about in the end yeah awesome and had you picked a name out in pregnancy or was that something that you waited until he was born for we really struggled with the names um Mm. we had we had a list well we sort of had a list we each had a name that we really wanted but couldn't convince the other person of it (laughs) 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 so we didn't end up naming Albie until a week after but Albie was always on the the list of names that we both liked Mm -hmm. yeah it's so hard naming a baby right particularly when like you and your partner are going to have different views of what's a good name yeah totally yeah yeah awesome and talk us through I guess the sort of um third trimester and end into the end of your pregnancy how were you feeling um were you having regular or more regular checkups because of your marginal cord insertion talk us through um yeah what did the end of your pregnancy look like um I really loved the third trimester in both pregnancies actually and all the movements and just feeling really I don't know just at peace with the whole thing um Mm. so I had a really good time I was still working in the winery doing probably some physical things Mm -hmm. that I shouldn't have been doing but no it was a good time um so monthly growth scans which was great because it meant I got to see my baby every month um and just the standard monthly antenatal checkups at the hospital yeah yeah cool and talk us through your plan for birth like did you have a birth plan did you have ideas around how you wanted your birth to go what did all of that look like for you I spent a lot of time working on feeling positive with any outcome, just knowing that birth is such an unpredictable beast. Um, and mm. the fact that I was in hospital, I didn't have a midwife. Um, so I was kind of just working on any outcome. Um, but yeah. ideally, I wanted to have a natural vaginal birth with no interventions. That was yeah. the goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. And take us through um, how that all played out. So take us through your labor and birth story. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So I, my waters broke um, at 39 weeks, which happened to be New Year's Eve. <laughs> it was a great time for it to all go down. I had the, the yeah. Hollywood um, gush of waters <laughs> and it was at like 2am. So had to try and talk myself into getting some sleep (laughs) Mm -hmm. before anything happened, which was really difficult because you're so excited. Yeah. And then we went to the hospital in the morning and just to have a checkup uh, and everything was all good. Um, And around 2 p.m. I think I started getting contractions that ramped up quite quickly actually and by 4 o'clock, Two hours later, I was sort of struggling through it. Um, mm-hmm. 
so Ben decided it was time to go to the hospital. Um, and when we arrived, I was already five centimeters dilated. So, oh wow, yeah. So the active phase was going quite quickly, um, mm. which I was pleased about. But you just, I still had no idea for how long I was going to go through those contractions mm. or, uh, yeah, what was going to happen. Um, yeah. So I really did battle through it. Um, I think instead of breathing through my contractions, I was kind of fighting them, <laughs> yeah. which actually made it quite painful. And so by about 7 p.m., I think I asked for an epidural. And I mm-hmm. remember at the time of asking, I was sort of shouting in my head for someone to tell me, no, like, you can do it. You're doing great. We'll push mm-hmm. through. But but no one did. So, and that's fine. Mm. I asked for it and it was a godsend. Um, yeah. It just took away all the pain and yeah, it was really great and purposeful for that time. Um, Do you feel like, um, like you said, you were sort of fighting through the contractions rather than breathing through them. Do you feel like it was because um, like being your first birth, the contractions were like so different to what you had anticipated or did you just feel like like the breathing sort of went out the window when things got a little bit more intense or yeah I guess what what did you feel at that time if you remember um pre-asking for an epidural yeah definitely breathing went out the window and that was that was the main thing because without that breath Mm. yeah you're just you're really fighting your body on it's yeah. natural progress so yeah I just it made it feel really painful for me um, mm-hmm. yeah and also again yeah just not knowing what to expect or how yeah. Yeah. how much more intense it was going to get yeah um, I think the epidural was definitely the right choice yeah. I just wasn't coping yeah um yeah but that then slowed everything down <laughs> I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was fully dilated quite quickly afterward, but um, the contractions slowed. So then they had to put Sintocin. They'd put, mm-hmm. yeah, they put it through the drip just to try and bring the contractions on again. Um, but I just, I couldn't feel anything. So the, yeah. the epidural had worked super well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was kind of devil about that because I wanted to feel that sensation of pushing as well they told me that I could start pushing. So I pushed for two hours and baby's head was just kind of going up and down and nothing was really happening. So they got a obstetrician in um, who said that I was going to need an episiotomy and gave me the option. Did I want forceps or Vontus? And I had done a bit of research on that and just had decided myself that I was going to go the forcep route. Mm-hmm. so they did that and baby was born maybe like five minutes later and put onto my chest and it was just the best feeling mm-hmm. just the the relief of mm. him being here and everything's okay and we did it and yeah yeah, yeah it was really great yeah yeah amazing and before we sort of talk through what happened next, did they give you the option to try and push with your episiotomy and not have forceps or rontos, or you just didn't have the choice? No, it seemed like the episiotomy was uh, not negotiable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could be wrong. This is sort of 
going back yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but what was interesting is that after after he was born they realized that the catheter had fallen out and so my bladder was really full so I wasn't mm. able to push his head past my bladder right okay so that yeah, that probably impacted I felt like all the hospital staff were really good at giving me my options and yeah. um, allowing me time to sort of work through them and giving me any information that I needed so yeah um, yeah all credit to them I mean I I feel like I did have that cascade of intervention but Mm. it was it was all my decision and my choice so yeah 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 Yeah, cool and you've got your little boy on your chest (laughs) um how were you feeling in the next little while did you um have like a managed third stage to birth the placenta or what was your options there and then yeah talk us through what happened next yeah with the marginal cord insertion they were pretty keen to just get that out um I'm not sure if there was a risk of hemorrhaging because of that I don't know Mm -hmm. but they yeah they um gave me the injection and the placenta was out in like 10 minutes yeah Um, yeah again I couldn't feel anything so it was it felt super easy. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I know the feeling of the epidural. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like my world's change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That instant yeah. relief was pretty incredible. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, if I could go back in time and change it, I would have for sure. Yeah. 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 And when you, like, they obviously would have had to stitch you up from your episiotomy. So did you feel any of that or you were still completely numb from your epidural? No, I didn't feel any of it. Mm. yeah it was great yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah. I certainly <laughs> felt it the days afterwards yes um, yeah yeah but the yeah the the first few hours after birth were really great we just got to hang out with our little boy and we were undisturbed and yeah it was really lovely I think we yeah. caught up on like a little bit of shut eye and had the um the toast and milo <laughs> situation which I was very excited for <laughs> yeah yeah, amazing. And did um, Albie latch on initially, like in when you first sort of had it? No. No, the first few days were kind of tricky um, with mm-hmm. latching. Just being such a new thing, I didn't really know what was going yeah. on, and it's a new yeah. skill for the baby as well. So um, yeah. that took a couple of days to get a handle on but then mm-hmm. once we figured it out he was an absolute champ and we had <laughs> a really incredible breastfeeding journey actually like I never got yeah. some nipples with him the whole thing was just yeah really great which I'm super thankful for because it was one of the things I was most nervous about with mm. having a baby is the breastfeeding yeah 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 awesome and did they give you like a lot of help in the hospital to get him latched correctly or what did that look like yeah, it was kind of hard because every midwife had their own mm-hmm. um, <laughs> thought process around how it should go. So I ended up being yeah. a bit confused. Um, and they were quite keen to do a lot of um, syringe feeding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Definitely had lots of support from people, but um, it was kind of conflicting as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um... I hear that really often through the podcast, like every midwife that you see has a different view of, of breastfeeding or how to do it and <laughs> what to do and yeah, sort of all of those things. So um, 
I'm really pleased to hear that you ended up with a positive um, journey in the end, and we'll sort of talk through that a little bit more. But before we do, how long did you stay in the hospital for? Um, what did it look like? Did you go to the birth centre or did you go home? Did you have an option for the birth centre? What were your sort of plans and how did that play out? Uh, so I stayed in hospital for two nights, I think. Um, they offered me to stay another night, which was really generous, but I was quite eager to get home. Yeah. Um, I couldn't go to the birth centre because I didn't have a midwife. That was going to be the the number one goal. But then that birth centre ended up closing down shortly afterwards as well, which is super sad. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I was in the hospital and then I had a postnatal midwife and I got to have the same one throughout that six week care, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. That's lovely. And how did you find taking Albie home? You're a new mum. You've just had like a pretty intense birth, right? Like recovering from an episiotomy and, and sort of um birth with forceps is a lot so how did you find like your physical recovery while caring for your baby and trying to care for yourself and what did that first sort of week or two look like mm, yeah you don't really think about the postpartum part too much eh? mm. <laughs> it, was, no, it yeah. was quite a hectic recovery actually um yeah I the episiotomy stitches and um the pelvic floor damage were quite mm-hmm painful quite sore yeah um, I didn't actually recognize the pelvic floor damage until about a year later I didn't know what it was mm. yeah. um, or how to like explain the sensations that I was getting but yeah anyway, super interesting yes so the three-day baby blues um lots of tears of joy <laughs> it was a very emotional time um mm-hmm. but in a really happy way but yeah, there's a there's a big shift that happens to you once you have a baby, and it's yeah that support you need to surround yourself with that village, which I had, so I was really grateful for that. Um, yeah, a lot changes. I mean, you've, you're recovering from birth, but then you know you're also you've changed as a person. Everything seems to have changed, um, and you're learning. Yeah, you're learning how to feed. Mm. Um, you almost feel in disbelief that you've been allowed to take this baby home by yourself <laughs> without any training. Yeah. yeah, it's like you get training for literally like everything else in your life, right? And then you've just got this newborn baby to take care of and there's, yeah. no, there's no handbook. There isn't, but it's amazing how much of it is really intuitive. Mm. Um, and yeah. I mean, a, a newborn just sort of eats and sleeps mostly so (laughs) that was good Mm -hmm. and Albie um I don't know if it was the epidural or what it was but he was a really chill sleepy baby like he just slept I think for the first six weeks and basically didn't make a peep so we were having to wake him for all of his feeds Mm -hmm. um, for quite a long time and how did you find like a shift I guess in your relationship bringing in a new baby like it's so different right you go from just only ever being you and your partner and then all of a sudden your entire world shifts to this baby that you've got that's yours to look after um so how did you find yeah the sort of relationship shift and how did you manage like the sharing of the load and was your partner still working what did that look like yeah um I think we were both hyper aware of that shift that happens when you become Mm. parents so we really focused on our communication and just trying to be open and honest with each other and how we felt Mm. because 
yeah a lot does change and you forget to have time for each other and Mm. you can build resentment for the other person going to work and nothing really changing in their life and we're quite we're quite good at checking in with um, our emotions and mental Mm. well-being Um, it does take a bit of work and we're not perfect but um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we really did dedicate as much time as we could to yeah checking in with each other and just working through that um Mm. but it wasn't for quite a while before we could actually really spend any time with each other everything was sort of baby focus which is normal um Ben took he took a week off and his mum came down for a week and then he was back to work and he his commute is quite painful and long so mm. sometimes he wouldn't get home until like six thirty seven, which I, I would find quite hard and lonely mm. Mm. Um, but again it was just about discussing that and yeah, yeah trying to work through it yeah yeah awesome and you talked a little bit earlier about um about a year down the track sort of experiencing some pelvic floor um issues so talk us through I guess, yeah, your recovery sort of longer term and what was going on that made you think that there might be something else happening? Well, I didn't really put two and two together. Um, So I I was getting the pelvic floor pain pretty much straight away after birth. But Mm. again, just with so much going on down there, I didn't Mm. really recognize that it was my pelvic floor. Yeah. Um, And I got my period back. 11 months after birth and Mm -hmm. I use a menstrual cup I found that it would be really painful and again didn't put two and two together Um, Mm -hmm. I actually contacted the cup uh, manufacturer and I was like Mm -hmm. hey like I've had a baby this like this is really uncomfortable do you have any clue as to what could be going on and Mm -hmm. they thought that maybe the cup was touching my cervix and that was creating Mm -hmm. A pain. I don't really yeah. know how to describe the pain. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very like tight and uncomfortable, and I couldn't stand yeah. for periods of time. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I did nothing about it until I was pregnant with Felix. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of just pursued through it, which is really silly. But um, I think. Pelvic floor physios are really expensive. <laughs> and yeah, they are. It was yeah. Quite, yeah, it was quite difficult to find a time where I could actually go to one, um, mm. which is silly. Like, we need to prioritize our own health. But, yeah, I didn't. Mm. I just slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy to do when you've that, got a baby, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great that ACC is now funding things like that yeah. for any kind of birth injuries. Um, but I, yeah, I did end up seeing a pelvic floor physio um, when I was pregnant with Felix, and she just helped me work through some of those um, injuries uh, and help better prepare me for my next birth. Yeah, awesome. And did you find her through, like, your midwife connecting you with a pelvic floor physio when you were pregnant, or what was the like prompt that made you go and see a pelvic floor physio? Um, it was something that I had been meaning to do for like yeah. two years and my midwife passed on a name that she 
really highly rated. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to put in the work. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to go yeah. through that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was still experienced right up to that pregnancy. I was still experiencing pain every time. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would get my period and have to use mm. the cup, but then I didn't want to use anything else. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, okay, so you've obviously fallen pregnant again. <laughs> so talk us through, <laughs> um, yeah, that sort of next pregnancy. Um, did you always want to have more than one baby? What did that look like? And then, yeah, through to finding out that you were pregnant. Yeah, we knew we were going to have two. And I think we had decided like a three-year age gap would work for us. I don't mm-hmm. know why we thought that. I mean, you're mm-hmm. sort of given what you're given and you work through mm-hmm. whatever. But that sounded like a good plan. Um, but again, yeah, we don't really plan very well. So mm-hmm. um, in between that time, I released Highlight, which was really exciting. And that was kind of mm-hmm. our focus and our little um, little other baby, I guess. Yeah. But the day we released it, we had a bit of a party <laughs> and we conceived young Felix. So yeah. um, there, there tends to be a bit of a theme going on. Um, I don't think we should party together anymore. <laughs> but yes, yeah. so that happened. And again, I knew straight away, I think I might have known um, even before I had missed my period. Um, mm. yeah just that instinctive feeling mm. of something going on in your body yeah. um, and Albie was I think he was about 18 months at the time so we figured it out it was going to be about a two and a half year age gap which was mm-hmm. great so we were really stoked I was yeah very surprised Ben was very happy um, <laughs> yeah it was it was cool that time yeah. I got him to read the um the pregnancy test and tell me what and tell me what has what has said yeah awesome and maybe we'll just jump back really quickly um before we Mm. talk through this pregnancy so you started your wine label after having Albie um how did that come about like with a baby at home and um how did you sort of juggle that uh you know or everything that goes into your own business and like your own label and all of that sort of stuff talk us through how that all worked yeah so um my maternity leave came to an end and I had to um admit to myself that I wasn't going to be able to return to work and Mm -hmm. I was really sad about that but I was also I was happy and at peace with it because I was just so in love with being a mum and having my baby that I was really quite satisfied with it Mm. Um, but probably a year down the track I started missing wine quite a lot and although Mm. you know still surround myself in wine um, I did feel like something was missing 
And so we had talked about starting a label for years anyway, and it was just getting the confidence to actually go ahead and do it. And Mm. I had enough connections and could figure out the plan. I mean, making the wine is the easy part for me. It's all the business side that I really have no idea about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So we decided to do that. And almost instantly I felt like I just had myself back. Like, mm. that part of me I didn't even know was missing until I had really started that and ignited that again yeah um so it all yeah there was quite a lot of planning involved um but you know you you just make things work yeah yeah when you really want them to yeah yeah so um releasing the wine and selling the wine was really wonderful and then finding out I was pregnant again straight mm-hmm. away um, I did I did struggle with it a bit more than I thought I would have. Um, when I was pregnant with Albie, I was still working in a winery, so I was surrounded mm. by it every day. So I didn't really feel like I missed anything. But this time around, I had to really kind of cold turkey mm. out of the whole wine game. Um, I mean, for the first trimester, I was pretty nauseous anyway, and I didn't really want to take part of it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite—it was quite a hard thing to have to let go of, I guess, for a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I sold out of wine in two months, so <laughs> it was kind of—it was kind of easy in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did—I did really miss it. Um, and I did find it a bit hard. I'm quite good at checking in with my mental well-being, and I don't. Mm. I never struggled in that sense, but um, I did notice that it was missing from my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there'll probably be a lot of people who relate to that sort of feeling if um, a career has been something that's important to them, like pre-children. I think. Um, a lot of people, and this is a generalization, I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't, but um, sort of feel that sense of like, it might've been your, your purpose beforehand. And I think once you have kids, like that might shift, but there'll always be that sort of piece of you um, in that way. So yeah, it's really interesting to hear, hear your journey and how it's all played out. Yeah, for sure. And I guess being an alcohol industry as well, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just as a disclaimer, we're trained to spit the wine, so I wouldn't be drinking it all anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's an yeah. added complexity there as well. So yeah, yeah. I had to re- remove myself from even being in that, like, part of that culture or yeah. industry yeah. at all. I couldn't just go to wine events and show face and be the brand and mm. do stuff like that because, mm. yeah. 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 Awesome. Anyway. Oh, so talk through... <laughs> um your first trimester and your second pregnancy how were you feeling um did you have any trouble finding a midwife this time like what did all of that look like for you oh yeah so I got on to the find my midwife page so quick (laughs) I was (laughs) determined not to miss out this time um so that was the first thing I did and I hadn't even decided how I wanted to give birth at that stage but um something drew me to my midwife Susie and Mm -hmm. I contacted her and she called me I think that day and we had a brief chat and I was sold on home birth so quick (laughs) I was like yeah (laughs) this is 
you're my girl this is what we're doing like let's go so um I think I think I knew I wanted a home birth but I hadn't I was very open-minded towards whatever yeah um so yeah got her on board and um first trimester was pretty good um I again nauseous and tiredness and you've got a toddler as well so that's fine Mm. um I was also working part-time at that stage as well yeah um I got big quite quickly so by about Mm -hmm. seven weeks I had to buy stretchy pants (laughs) Mm. so I found it quite hard to hide from people so I actually told everyone quite early on in this pregnancy um which made it seem like the pregnancy went for about a year Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that feeling (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah no but the first first trimester was all good um it wasn't until about 16 weeks, I think, that I got vulva varicosa, like, really mm. aggressively. Yeah. Um, I also got spider veins down my leg, so it hurt to stand. Everything was really swollen, and I was kind mm. of thinking in my head, oh, my God, am I going to have to give up work already? Like, mm. yeah, it was pretty horrendous. But I got on to... Um, compression tights and just everything I could I mean they definitely got worse as I got bigger but Mm -hmm. maybe I was able to deal with those things a bit more yeah was your midwife giving you guidance on how to like manage them or where were you finding your information yeah totally so I actually I think that might have been how we got onto the pelvic floor physio Mm -hmm. because that can actually help with the varicose veins and stuff like that yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So she was definitely giving me a lot of guidance around like acupuncture and compression tights and um, yeah, pelvic floor exercises. Yeah. So, yeah. so I did all those things and I they must have helped. Yeah. I then got a bit of like pelvic instability as well. <laughs> it's amazing how second time round or like any consecutive pregnancies, your body is just yeah, it's a battle. Mm. Yeah. And how did you feel? sort of moving through your pregnancy about your previous birth and did you have like you know a view on like I know you said you were pretty convinced on home birth um sort of from the get-go but did you have a view on um how you wanted that to play out were you doing anything differently from an education perspective talk us through all of your birth plans and dreams and hopes oh I went I went fully deep I went into it yeah (laughs) became a little bit obsessed actually um yeah I think you do reflect on your previous birth quite a bit once you become pregnant again Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I had really given it a lot of thought like I was just happy that I had my baby and um you know whatever happened happened and that Mm. was fine but yeah upon reflection I was I had felt like I had failed which I know is really mm. silly, but that's just a personal thing for me because yeah, I yeah. just wanted to do it and I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I, I put in a lot of work second pregnancy yeah. to to work through that. Um, so I was deep in books, podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was doing all the pelvic floor exercises, yoga, yeah. meditations, um, 
yeah, I just became a little bit obsessed about it actually, and I still am. I <laughs> birth is so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, the more I read and the more I educated myself, it really just solidified that home birth was for me, mm. and I was so excited to get to that point in the pregnancy to actually do it yeah awesome and talk us through like your preparation for a home birth what did that look like um around you know what did you need what was your midwife sort of telling you to do did you want to do like a home birth with a pool or yeah how did that all um play out yes so um I hired a pool and a tens machine the glorified (laughs) tens machine so great um yeah, I learned a lot through all of the podcasts, I'd say, more than anything. Mm. Just other women sharing the experiences of what worked for them yeah. and managing their contractions. So I really had this really big toolkit, um, I mm. guess you could say, yeah, of awesome. management techniques. So the pool yeah. was part of that, the TENS machine, um, the meditations, and I just knew that I had to get into a zone and what that Mm. would look like. Um, I had some affirmations that really spoke to me, I guess. Um, Yeah. And yeah, just, just the normal setup, just making sure that you feel safe in your environment and yeah, yeah, all those comforting smells and Mm. stuff like that. So um, my midwife and I sort of worked through all of that and, um, I knew what my space was going to look like and I Mm. really manifested that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And how were you feeling towards the end of your pregnancy? Was everything sort of looking good for your home birth? And then, yeah, take us through the end of your pregnancy and into your labor and birth story. Yeah. So again, third trimester, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was a bit bigger than last time and didn't really have the energy for my toddler, which I actually felt really guilty about, Mm. um, the mum guilts. And I was actually really nervous what was going to happen postpartum with that as well. Um, Mm. I mean, your firstborn is, is your love. And when you're introducing another sibling, you know that that's a really wonderful thing for them, a gift for them. But you also sort of mourn that time that you're going to lose yeah. with them as well. Yeah. So the part of saying goodbye <laughs> during the yeah. labor, I was really nervous about that. Anyway, um, third trimester was good apart from the lack of energy. Um, I was feeling good about everything. Um, all the measurements were looking good. The home birth was on track. Um, I was feeling more and more at peace with the whole thing the further I got mm. along. I was just yeah. really all about it, fully into it. Um, it was quite interesting when I talked to other people about what I had planned. Mm. <laughs> Their reactions toward it was quite, yeah. A lot of people view home birth as not safe, which, um, mm. I mean, everyone should do their own research on it. I'm not going to say <laughs> you should yeah, do yeah. one thing or another. But, um, yeah, I think, again, being in that safe environment, which in your home is yeah anyway Mm. for me that was the best decision so I was feeling really good about it um I actually kind of wanted to do a bit of an experiment on myself so I didn't do Mm -hmm. any of the um 
any of the things to try bring on labor i just wanted yeah. to see what would happen if i didn't do anything mm. <laughs> um and so come 39 and 4 um i woke up with some mild cramping and had to go to the poop room which was a good <laughs> sign and um my bloody show was there then so i thought oh yep, yeah we're all on this is very exciting um, so we just got up as a family and had breakfast and kind of mulled around for a bit. Um, and then my sister came and picked up Albie, um, to hang out for the day. And then Ben and I just got on to putting our space together, um, setting mm. up the pool, um, the music, the candles, all that stuff. Yeah. And we did that. And then I felt like my contractions, although they were still mild, I felt like they started spacing apart quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, no, I hope this isn't going to fizzle out. Mm. Um, it, it was quite a stormy day, but we still decided to go for a bushwalk <laughs> just to get <laughs> some fresh air. Yeah. Um, and that was really great, actually. And everything ramped up pretty quickly from there. Um, I think we stopped probably 10 to 15 times on quite a short walk for contractions. Um, And throughout those sort of earlier contractions, I've had this affirmation, which really resonated with me. Um, And it was surrender. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, just thinking about that, I was really able just to kind of relax through and then I could focus on the breathing. And so it was all, like very manageable and going really well Mm. and then we came home and I put on the tens machine and was just rocking back and forth um and I think I was in established labor like by the time I'd got home yeah um, it was coming quite quick um (laughs) and so my midwife arrived and she just hung out in the corner of the room I don't even think I said hello to her (laughs) I was just in such a zone Mm. um I went really inward um, which you never yeah. quite know exactly how you're going to go until yeah. you get to that space. But yeah, I went inward and um, yeah, the tens machine was just rocking. I was just breathing and everything was so managed. I felt in control the whole time and I just knew exactly what was going on, where I was at. Um, I got to a point where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And in my head, I was like, haha, that was a funny joke. <laughs> like I knew I wasn't in transition but I obviously knew that things are like getting quite intense Mm. I'm not really sure but I didn't verbalize it so it was just like this joke (laughs) I had to myself (laughs) um so anyway after that I um tried to go to the toilet and I couldn't um but my mucus plug came out and so I jumped into the pool and that was a really great relief um but quite quickly I had to go back onto my hands and knees that was the only comfortable position Mm. for that labor yeah um and yeah the contractions intensified uh and then shifted quite quickly yeah so um (laughs) I remember then thinking in my head I don't want to do this anymore but I didn't verbalize it and that was transition Mm um and all of a sudden I felt Felix's head move down my birth canal. 
Mm. and I could feel my body pushing and I was like oh my god this is the fetal ejection reflex that I've heard (laughs) so much about and because I didn't get to experience any of these sensations first time around I was just so stoked but also Mm. like trying to stay in control and um, breathe through it so this next part happened like the pushing part happened within 10 minutes I think just Mm. just for a bit of um time there (laughs) so anyway yeah I felt I felt uh, my body push and my midwife must have heard or heard that shift in my sound because she Mm. came over and she was like oh yep like he's right there do you want to put your fingers in and feel him and I was like okay Mm -hmm. um and she started coaching me through just a bit more of like a panting breath. Um, and yeah, I breathed his head out, which sounds mm. easy, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. I always thought with the fetal ejection reflex that maybe it would be easier because you're not actively pushing, but it was still pretty hard. Mm. Um, so I breathed his head out and then he did the restitution, which no one really talks about but that is the most bizarre sensation Mm. having having the baby shift their body around like that Um, and then I had to actively do one push and that was to get his shoulders out Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he was quite big Um, Mm. and so he came out and I just instinctively put him on my chest and just sat there and took a breath I guess Mm -hmm, I was kind of in shock that that had all happened within 10 minutes like it was so quick Mm. um and we just stayed in the pool for a bit and um just really enjoyed the moment and then uh, probably about half an hour later the midwife and the other midwife because you've got to have two present at the home birth um they helped me out of the pool and got me set up on the couch so we could just have some really lovely snugs and um get a bit dry and warm together mm-hmm. um and I birthed the placenta there on the couch um yeah. which was actually quite hard <laughs> after yeah. just giving birth like the last yeah. thing you want to do is anything <laughs> so um I had to work quite hard to push that out it was quite a big placenta yeah. um so yeah we just chilled on the couch for about an hour Felix had his first feed which was quite long and wonderful Hmm. um and then they did some of the checks and um Albie was 4.5 kgs so quite quite large and (laughs) um I just had a little graze and a really tiny first degree tear that didn't need a stitch so wow um I was pretty stoked with that as yeah, a result. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, yeah, just uh, what do we do after that? I think um, Susie helped me with a shower and getting dressed in my pajamas. And then within half an hour, Albie came back and got to meet his little brother, which was such a cool moment. I can't remember what he came in saying, but he didn't even care that there was a baby there. He wanted to tell me about something cool that he had done with his mm, auntie that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was such a, such a nice way to 
finish it all being in your pajamas yeah. I think we even had like cake and tea and <laughs> just a bit of a chat and debrief and um yeah yeah then they went on the midwives went on their way and we got to go upstairs and go to bed yeah amazing <laughs> and like at the time did you reflect on like how different that experience had been to your first birth or was it not until like a little bit later on once you got the chance to process what had happened no I think it was almost instant I was just I couldn't believe how different the two experiences were and if I was to like sum it up my first labor and birth was painful my second was Mm. intense and hard but yeah amazing like immediately after I was like that was incredible I can't wait to tell every single person Mm. I know about that experience because I just felt like a warrior yeah it was so amazing I'm still like in disbelief that it went as well as it did (laughs) yeah it's amazing it's so nice to hear um you know, like these contrasting stories of you didn't feel like amazing about your first birth, but you did about your second. It's so nice to hear. Yeah. I, it's just, yeah. it's an incredible, birth is incredible. Um, yeah. I would probably do that a hundred times over, but I'm not going to. We're <laughs> a done yeah. family there. Yeah. But um, the, yeah. the recovery as well was amazing. Like I just felt like myself again immediately afterwards. Mm. all those varicose veins all of that had just everything had gone and I just felt awesome yeah 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 amazing and how did you go like with the initial breastfeeding um this time around with Felix it was pretty good but for the first two weeks I had really sore nipples and spent Mm -hmm. a small fortune on (laughs) buying all sorts of different (laughs) care to try and get that um, instant fix um, mm-hmm. but yeah it took a took a while and I think it's because I just immediately reverted back to how I would feed Albie at like 18 months old mm. as opposed to remembering that this is a new baby and we actually yeah. have to start from scratch yeah so we did that and then and then it's been good yeah yeah we've, it's going really well yeah yeah awesome And how did you find like the initial juggle between having a newborn and you've got like a toddler and um, yeah, that's obviously a huge shift for your family as well. So how did you find that? Yeah, the first week was quite chill and easy. Um, Ben was home, so he was doing all the daycare drop-offs and pickups. Yes, so the first week, the first week was bliss. We were just in this complete love bubble just all enjoying each other's company the energy was really great um (laughs) yeah it was really nice um but then week two I got what I thought was a migraine um and it was like 10 out of 10 headaches Mm. like super intense and I think day four of that I went to a GP to try and get some strong meds because nothing was helping Mm. Um, and they checked my blood pressure and it was through the roof Mm. Um, so they sent me straight to hospital and the doctors did a bit of a um, they checked over me and thought I was having like a brain bleed or a stroke like my 
yeah, my hypertension was, it was really bad. It was like 188. Mm. <laughs> it was mm. at definitely at stroke or seizure levels. So yeah, um, everyone was kind of running around in a panic and it was a really scary time actually because I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I had Felix with me. Yeah. Um, and when they started saying words like that, like stroke and brain bleed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so quite quickly got me into some like CTs and MRIs and I had the full works of checkups and things. Mm. Um, and they diagnosed me with this thing called press, which means, oh, what does it mean? Posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm probably not saying (laughs) that right. Um, which is super rare and most people have never heard of it like doctors Mm. midwives people have just not heard of it it's bizarre um but it's basically brain swelling severe brain swelling that leads to like seizures and stuff so it is sometimes linked to eclampsia Mm -hmm. um so yeah even though i had no symptoms or anything they think that I developed preeclampsia like day 10 postpartum. Right, okay. Um, not really sure why. There's a theory that there was excess hormones circulating in my body because of the placenta being large. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's just a theory and no one really knows why mm. or how I got this. Yeah. Um, so I'm still recovering from that uh, the mm. recovery is a bit like a concussion where you can't be stimulated so mm-hmm. like no tv or reading or yeah. um, loud noises stuff like that yeah so that kind of sent a bit of a flip on the mm. recovery and I actually ended up spending time in the hospital room that I was in with Albie <laughs> so I kind oh, wow. of went full circle with it yeah yeah, so I really had to call upon all of my support team to help mm. throughout that period because I was just a wreck. Um, yeah. The fatigue was insane and I literally couldn't do anything. So, yeah, it's starting to come right now. They think it might be about a three-month recovery, but, again, it's just no one really knows why yeah. or how or what. Um, yeah. Yeah, so a good learning exercise and accepting help from people. I don't mm. know what it is about. Is it a Kiwi thing? I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, it is nice to accept the help and to work through it. So that's that's definitely made the juggle a bit harder. Um, yeah, yeah. Albie has accepted being a big brother really well. Like he's super wonderful to Felix, but we're noticing he's really sensitive to any changes, and so those mm. big emotions are quite quite. So we just take it day by day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard, I think, for that sort of age has got generally big emotions anyway, right? So when you've got a um, a change in your family, I think it's so normal. And so many people will relate to that sort of experience with um with a sibling, a bigger sibling when you've got a newborn baby. But that's just, yeah, really scary, your um, sort of postpartum experience. And it sounds like you're still having to take it easy, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's really scary. Still taking it easy, but I'm um, seeing improvements though, so that's that's yeah, good. Awesome. But yeah, just yeah. really unlucky. Um, yeah. 
but that's just that's just the way it is so I've accepted mm. that and um, yeah. I'm just thankful that <laughs> they were able to catch it when they did and there's no mm. brain damage and yeah um yeah so so luckily this isn't a, a normal postpartum thing but it is just amazing what what us women go through mm, for um, sure. and giving birth yeah. amazing well thank you so much Heidi for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us I've really loved talking to you and um I know there'll be so many people who get a lot of value out of your birth experiences so yeah just super grateful that you're willing to share thank you Oh, thanks, Jordan. It's a pleasure to be a part of that cycle of sharing experience. And yeah, if someone can get something out of it, then that's that's yeah. really great. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.